Thanks for joining me on Jesus and Books. I'm Jason Comley. Is God a Moral Monster? Making Sense of the Old Testament God? That is the title of the book I'm going to be talking about in this episode of Jesus and Books. The book is written by Paul Copen, and Copen attempts to reconcile the Old Testament Christ with the New Testament Christ. In the Old Testament, Christ imposes these weird rules on food and clothes that the Israelites had to obey. He is depicted as a jealous God. He commands Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, which is thankfully stopped at the last minute. And then there are the brutal wars and supposed ethnic cleansing that went on in the name of God. So for someone who would just give uh, the Old Testament a surface reading, they might think that the Old Testament Christ is a angry, jealous warmonger. But Copen, I think, effectively shows that that's not the case, that with a deeper reading of the text and with some context, we see that the Old Testament Christ is the same loving, patient, dynamic Savior as in the New Testament, that they are the same. So I'll touch on some examples. Let's look at the weird rules first. This is very interesting. The Israelites were not allowed to use two different kinds of seeds on the same field. They were not allowed to plow the fields with a ox and a donkey. It had to be either oxen or donkeys. They, were not, they weren't allowed to mix. And as for clothes, they weren't, the clothes that they wore or made were not allowed to be mixed fibers. So they could not use like um, uh, linen and wool. It had to be one or the other. No mixing of fibers. Likewise, wearing clothes of a person of the opposite gender would be prohibited. And then there are the weird dietary laws. The clean and unclean animals. I think Copen does an effective job of explaining the reasons why the Lord in, uh, imposed these rules and designated animals as either clean or unclean. So what makes an animal either clean or unclean? Well, in Genesis 1, it divides animals into three spheres. Animals that walk on the land, animals that swim in the water, and animals that fly in the air. Now, if an animal is to cross over their domain into another domain, so if a animal that swims in the water also walks on the land, that animal is considered unclean to God and to the Israelites. Likewise, if an animal flies in the air and swims in the water, that animal is considered unclean. So there's a list in Leviticus 11 and Deuteronomy 14 which shows the clean and unclean animals. 
Uh, also, um, regarding aquatic animals, they must have scales and fins. So squid and shrimp are considered unclean. So why the rules? Why are animals classified that way? Well, Copen explains that this is the Lord's way of teaching his people, the Israelites, that they are a special people of one God and that they are not to mix with other people of other gods and other faiths, so that they're not to mix. And so all their activities, even you know what they eat and their daily tasks, all things would remind them that they are a special people of one God to constantly remind them. So that makes sense. It also makes the Lord seem rather possessive and jealous. So we'll go to that one next. So we read in Exodus 22 to 3, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Well, that seems reasonable. But like in Deuteronomy 6, 5, and then in 10, 20, God desires that Israel love him and that and cling to him. Now, Copen explains that jealousy can either be a good or bad thing. It can be a, um, a destructive state, or it can be a godly virtue. Galatians 5.20 lumps jealousy in with enmity, strife, and outbursts of anger. That's the kind of jealousy that's very self-centered. But a jealousy that is rooted in the well-being of another person is is a good kind of jealousy. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11:2, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. So this is a relationship like a man and a wife. This is a very sacred, close relationship. So let's go to the story of Abraham and how he's commanded to sacrifice his son Isaac. This one gets some people charged up, especially new atheists, as Copen calls them. And that's reasonable when we look at it from the perspective of a parent. So let's put ourselves in the in the sandals of Abraham and let's imagine that we've been commanded by the Lord to sacrifice our beloved family pet or our child or our spouse how faithful of a disciple would we be well Abraham proved to be a exemplary disciple and he was very faithful and God shows himself to be merciful. Of course, he stops the sacrifice. He doesn't allow Abraham to go through it. That event is a type. It's a likeness or reminder of God and his only begotten son and that great sacrifice. So Abraham was prevented from going through with that, thankfully. But God the Father had to allow his only begotten son to be as a sacrifice. So when we think of it from that perspective, 
it becomes a, a very potent reminder shows the goodness of God in providing a substitute for us just as he did for Abraham by providing the ram so so far so good one more example I'll touch on is the brutal warfare and supposed ethnic cleansing we read in Deuteronomy 2017 that the Lord commands the Israelites to utterly destroy the Amorites and the Hittites and the Canaanites to kill man woman child and even the animals well that seems rather harsh doesn't it but when we look at the context and the people and let's look at the Canaanites specifically so the Canaanites they engaged in incest bestiality child sacrifice their deities were bloodthirsty uh, one is depicted as uh, drinking her victim's blood surrounded by corpses and she is commonly depicted with a garland of skulls around her neck and the Lord was willing to suffer that the Canaanites live that wickedly for 430 years before having the Israelites wipe them out now even then Copen explains that they were not utterly wiped out the Canaanite inhabitants were still around Joshua was using a kind of conventional warfare rhetoric that was used at the time and was common in many other ancient Near Eastern military accounts in the second and first millennia BC so Copen says it's like a sports team saying they blew their opponents away so not as merciless and bloodthirsty as it would appear on the surface Israel was to be a nation of priests in Exodus 19:6, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation this plans for Israel was to be an exemplar and to save all other nations in many ways the Israelites were much more humane and advanced than other nations at the time and Copen goes into great depth to explain that again I highly recommend the book if you are if the Old Testament has baffled you in the past I think this is a perfect book to read it clarifies a lot of things well I hope you enjoy this episode of Jesus and books I appreciate you listening if you have any comments please email me at info at jesusandbooks.com love to hear from you you can also look me up on Goodreads and friend or follow me there thanks for listening take care God bless Thank you.